All right. So I am really happy to see you all. We had a good Christmas. Um, last week, uh, we, we finished the book of Mark, right? And we're going to go through another book uh, starting today. So ju- we just completed the end of Mark, which is 16 chapters altogether for the end of the year, right? And we spoke about how Jesus is our hope for a new beginning. The minute by minute and moment by moment, we have access to that new beginning, okay? We've seen how Jesus went to the cross and how he was confessed to be the Son of God by a Roman centurion soldier while watching Jesus die on that cross. That's when he realized who he was. It wasn't his disciples. It wasn't the people following him. It was a Roman centurion soldier standing there looking at Jesus dying on that cross. And then he realizes who Jesus is. Truly this man is the Son of God. And here's where we see the, the hope, right? In the forgiveness of our sins. And how do we recognize that reality? By seeing how Jesus has died in our place, right? And how he rose from the dead, giving us life in this new beginning, moment by moment. And so with that in mind, we are going to shift gears from the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, to another book in the New Testament, the book of Galatians. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there, uh, book of Galatians chapter 1. If you don't, uh, you can come get one. So as we get into it, we want to understand a little bit of in the way of introduction, right? Because we just open the book of Galatians and we think, well, what's this about? So this would give us some, some background information that will help us with, with our context when we, we try to apply it to our lives spiritually, right? And scripturally. So we have this epistle, or another word for that would be letter, written by Paul the Apostle, right? He's mentioned by name in this book at the beginning and toward the end. Okay? And it's one of those books of the New Testament where there is no doubt that he wrote it. Okay? Galatians chapter 1, verses 1-2 through two says this, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia. Paul is writing to the people in a place called Galatia. He writes this to designate two things. Okay? He says this to designate two things. One is to identify where it is geographically. Galatia is in the north part of the central plateau of Asia Minor. If you ever want to look on a map, that's where it would be. The other is to identify it politically. Okay? This is the area that includes Galatia, was a large part of the Roman Empire, right? which was kind of the biggest power at that time. Now, as for the history behind Galatia, it's very long and deep. Okay, very long. (laughs) There's a lot to it. And for our purposes, we don't have time to get into it all. If we wanted to go into it more comprehensively, we could do that another time. For now, and for the time we have, let's understand a few simple things, okay? The people from the province of Galatia consisted of many diverse groups of people and people of different ethnic backgrounds, right? If Paul had written to a specific city of believers, like the city of Corinth or Philippi, he would address it to the Corinthians or the Philippians, right? Book of Philippians, Paul talks to the Philippians. Book of Corinthians, 
he talks to the Corinthians, right? But here we see Paul merely addressing more than one church in this province of Galatia. And so it's not addressed to the church of Galatia, but to the churches of Galatia, right? Paul was charged with bringing the gospel, the news about Jesus' death, right? And resurrection to the Gentiles or anyone who is not Jewish. That's a Gentile. So here we have the first century church, not one church only, but the people of God, meaning the quote-unquote church. Then these churches being established by the apostles, those who were, who, who were with or had seen Jesus. That's an apostle. You couldn't be an apostle unless you had seen Jesus or known Jesus, been with him physically. And these were the people going around establishing the churches um, for the first century, and Paul was one, of those, was one of those apostles, right? So Paul was one who had seen Jesus. He had been changed by him on the road to Damascus. He was, he was riding along, and he sees Jesus, and, he, and he's blinded by him, and he changes his whole life, right? And when he was addressing the Galatians, his main focus was salvation by grace by the grace of God, through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as the crucial and necessary foundation of Christian life and conduct. The early church was still fairly new, dealing with outside influences and, con- and confusing doctrines. It would sometimes drift away in sort of these different kind of degrees, right? When the gospel was being preached primarily to Jews by Jews, the development of the church progressed smoothly. So if a Jewish person was talking to another Jewish person about the gospel, things went smooth. But as people like Paul who would reach out and preach to the Gentile communities, the gospel would start to really take, take root in those regions. It really worked. People listened. But then there arose these questions regarding the Christian's relationship to the law of Moses, Right? and to Judaism as a system, right? In other words, would the church open its doors to all people who would come, regardless of the relationship to a certain tradition of Judaism, regardless of whether or not they understood what Jewish people believed, what the, what, what the traditions were, would it still open its doors? And also, was the church willing to open its boundaries to the entire human race? Or was it only an extension of Judaism to the Gentiles? Was the gospel for everybody or was it only an extension of what Jewish people and Jewish tradition believe was from them? And these are good questions to ask because confusion came not only from the, 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 some, some of the Jewish traditions that would muddy the understanding of the grace of faith in Christ but also from the Roman Empire right? that had influences in the, in the Gentile regions. The government had influence there. So we understand the book of Galatians to be a record of the form this struggle took in this area of Asia Minor. More than one church struggling with these questions, these, these wondering what to do. It's also a picture of how these issues were being debated and handled. How were they handling it as churches? So when Paul would preach to the Gentile communities, and specifically here for the churches of Galatia, he had deliberately not brought up questions about conformity to Jewish law. He didn't talk about what it means to conform to those traditions. And the Galatians had received these words from Paul very well. They wanted to hear it. 
And so Paul's main concern was that the Galatians should not lose their hold on the only true gospel. And Paul actually uses the word gospel at least 13 times in the book of Galatians as he stresses its importance. He's driving home, affirming and reaffirming that a person is not justified by the law or works, but only through faith in Jesus Christ. And Paul's tone in this epistle has moments where he becomes very passionate as he defends the true understanding of Christ and what he has done to save us in opposition to those who are against the gospel. So there are definite moments of warning and reprimands to the Galatian churches, but that's only because of Paul's genuine love for them. So let's get into it. We'll start at Galatians chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. Verse 1 says, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me, to the churches of Galatia. Verse 3, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. So here's the introduction to the letter he's writing. He's starting out the letter by greeting them in this way. So here we see Paul, he identifies himself and those to, whom, to those whom he is writing. But unlike other letters he had written to other churches, such as Romans or Corinthians, you know, Ephesians, Philippians, and the Thessalonians, the Galatians, he doesn't give an expression of praise like he would the other churches. If you read those other epistles, there is this, this expression of praise that he gives them at the beginning. He doesn't do that for, for Galatians. He begins the letter by sort of abruptly restating his claim to be an apostle. And here we see Paul's authority in this way being shown. That what he is about to speak on must be listened to. Because as an apostle, he has the authority of the one who sent him, namely Jesus Christ. And his statement right after when he says, Not from men, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God our Father, who raised him from the dead, is designed by him to show that his apostleship is genuine. So the gospel which he is stating to them is genuine as well. So despite anyone else's influence, whether it be those who are steeped in Jewish traditions or any other, so despite all the things going on around them, despite the influences that seem to be seeping into the churches in Galatia, Paul states in verse 3, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ, because these people and, those, and these churches are far from hopeless. He still thinks of them as Christian communities. And this is why he begins the letter to them in the way that he does in the first five verses. Then as we move on, we get to verses 6 through 10. In verse 6 he says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Paul's obviously sorrowful and surprised by their sin in not keeping close to them the things that Paul had preached to them before. Because there is this simplicity, right, and purity of the gospel of Jesus that they were trading for other things, other influences. And though Paul is reproachful in what he says to them, it's not out of anger. Not really out of anger. He's amazed by what has, hap has happened, but he's not resentful. And so he speaks, and as he speaks, he's not rejecting them. But here's what these Galatian churches have done. 
they've very quickly, after hearing the truth of the gospel of grace have given, that was given by Jesus Christ, they've changed their position. Transferring their loyalty and so soon, so soon after conversion. Because not long ago, Paul was there sharing with them the good news of what Christ had done for them, right? But then they themselves have turned themselves away from that truth. I think this is something that we deal with in our society. We ourselves turn ourselves away from the gospel. I think that this is something that happens with Christian leaders. We, we blindly follow people. And so we ourselves turn ourselves away based on what we hear other people say, instead of lining it up with what the Bible is saying about who Jesus is and what it means to know Him and what it means to actually truly live out your faith. This is not different for us than it is for, 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 for the Galatians, right? And so Paul writes to them because here they're in the process of transferring their loyalty from the one, namely Jesus. They're transferring their loyalty from Him who in His grace and mercy had called them and they're, they're going to a different gospel. They were abandoning the call to justification by faith in Jesus Christ. The Christ had justified them. And they're abandoning that to a gospel that proclaimed faith plus the law and works as a way to be saved. Which in reality is no gospel at all. It's not the gospel. And Paul actually states this in verse 7 when he says, Not that there is another one, meaning another gospel, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Then he goes on in verse 8 and says, But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. Paul is so confident in the gospel of Christ that he was preaching to them before that 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 gospel of grace through faith in Christ dying on their behalf for their sins, he's so confident in that that he pronounces this curse on anyone who would preach anything other than that, even if they might be those charged by God to preach, meaning the apostles. Even if an apostle came and said something contrary, even if it was them, or if by some strange happening, if an angel had come down and said something contrary to Jesus' sacrifice. This statement that Paul makes, though he is speaking to the Galatian churches, it's true for any church and any Christian. This is the principle that we can apply, right? Because here we have the, the principle of deception trying to make its way to, through the truth, to the truth. And we deal with this daily in our life, in our nation, in our world. And anyone who is preaching in addition to the grace of God, anyone who is who's guilting you into feeling as though you need to prove your Christianity to others or to God, this is addition to the gospel. It's not that you cannot do those things God has called you to do. But there's a difference in motivation between trying to prove your Christianity as opposed to letting the Lord's love pour out in a way that expresses that love toward others in the gifts God has given you. And it's a difference between acts of works, which is adding to the gospel, and genuine love, which is living in the gospel. And this idea of an angel preaching something else and Paul talks about. This kind of thing is not necessarily out of the ordinary. I knew a preacher who claimed to have been visited by, had been visited by an angel at night many years ago. He said he, him and his wife were in his bed, and, and they woke up in the middle of the night, 
And they said they saw this angel standing in front of them. And the angel was so large that they were on second floor and they could only see the top half of him. And the rest of him would go past the second floor. Unfortunately, the things that this preacher had claimed the angel had said strayed from the gospel of Christ. And really did, did add this idea of works to it. That freedom in Christ came by way of a step-by-step program. As opposed to what the Bible actually teaches. That Christ is the one who has done it all for us. That even our acceptance in the way of confession is merely an acknowledgement of what has already taken place in reality and in our hearts as God calls us. There is nothing we can do to be saved from our sins. And anything else that is stated to the contrary cheapens the sacrifice of Jesus. And like those who are trying to persuade the Galatians would give us reason to share in some sort of glory for our own salvation. There's a reason why Christ had done it all and said that we cannot do anything to add to it because then we could take part in it and glory in that and and claim responsibility for our own goodness and our own salvation. No, Paul is stating that the gospel of Christ is the only gospel, no matter who might preach something else. That includes ideas of quote-unquote American morality that might exclude others from being allowed or able to hear about the gospel of Christ. This is something we here can identify and understand in our society right now. We cannot preach in one breath that Christ has covered our sin and in another breath condemn the existence of anyone who would not agree with our Americanized ideals. This is what I would call a Facebook offense. It's easy to go online and type something in about how great Jesus is and then give your opinion about other things that condemn other people. It, it's, it's hard to take anybody seriously about the gospel when there seems to be two different messages going on. Because believe it or not, that is adding to the gospel. Our nation's values, or lack thereof, do not dictate the gospel of Jesus Christ. Whether we have the government we want or not, we're talking about adding to what is preached, right? And this is an appropriate example for us today. This is what we're living in right now. And it wasn't different during Paul's time, either. The Roman Empire was very influential, and there was much to be clarified for government back then as well. And Paul is adamant about Christ being preached, period. Nothing else. My personal morality might come from biblical principles, but I am still being sanctified day by day, minute by minute. None of us have arrived. Whatever God might be doing in your heart is not the same thing that He might be doing in someone else's heart. And we as Christians are justified by God's grace, and we do not deserve that. Any superiority and some kind of moral compass dismisses the need for that grace. Even Paul had not given up on the Galatians for turning away from the gospel. He wrote to them about the truth. He encouraged them about Christ. He didn't even have to go into specifics about the disagreements early on. Why? Verse 10. Because he says, For I am, am I now seeking the approval of men or God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. He's not preaching the gospel in order to look good in front of the educated or in front of the charismatic or in front of those who might seem to say the right thing for the right time. 
But in preaching Christ and seeking God's approval of what he speaks about, it is automatically in opposition to the things that were deemed another gospel. Because Paul had been accused of being a pleaser of men by his enemies, who also implied that he had done this at the expense of the truth. He was accused of this. But Paul is saying this, Am I seeking approval of people or God? Because if I were seeking the approval of men, would I declare a curse against those who would teach false gospels? It's not that what he might say would not please people. He's merely stating that he does not please men as opposed to pleasing God. He clarifies the gospel. And no one can say any longer that he seeks to please men in presenting the truth of the cross of Christ. He speaks about being a servant of Christ. And by this, Paul is ultimately saying this. In spite of my claim that I am Christ's servant, if I were still attempting to please people, then my claim would be false. Politics, of course, is one of many distractions from our pursuit of the truth of Christ. It's not the only one. There are, there are many other things that influence our walk with the Lord. We have not arrived we need to remind, be reminded of that truth. Because believe it or not, Paul's intention in writing to the Galatian churches was to show that these additions of religiosity, or religiousness, or additions in the morality around them, or any addition of cultural influences that they were facing, or additions of government influence, would and had put them in bondage as opposed to giving them freedom. Paul's attempting to show them that the simplicity of grace through faith of what Christ has done is like a weight being lifted off their shoulders. With the truth of the gospel, the things we've been studying about Jesus, right? the hope for a new beginning that we spoke about last week, as we got, went through John and then we went through Mark, right? all these things, the, this understanding of, of, of Christ gives us equal standing. No one is better because they might know more about morality. No one is better because they might know more about the Bible. Paul states that he is a servant of Christ. He serves him. He was not there to impose superiority. He was actually speaking out against that when it came to the Jewish traditions. And so he continues, even in his reprimand, to speak about the only real truth in this world. What God has done by sending a son to die on our behalf, nothing added that this is what we preach and believe as we continue to go on with our lives, as we pursue school or jobs, or family, or faith, or relationships. And we will, in all those things, whatever might come through them, or, or even without them, or in them, truly we will experience freedom in our lives. And that genuine call and attitude that Paul had will be ours as well.